Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When I was 10, the most technologically advanced item I possessed was a Donkey Kong Junior game. I never even touched a computer. And of course, it's a very different scenario today. Many kids have iPads and even phones at about nine or 10 years of age. And over the different lockdowns, kids have started using these devices even more to stay in touch with their friends. And as we return to some kind of normality, it may feel like the horse has bolted. But are our tweens ready for this kind of online friendship? Dana Kerford is the founder of You Are Strong, an organisation that teaches kids about healthy friendships. Hi, Dana. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you doing? Good, thank you. I mean, I know it's very soon after the lockdowns, but do you have a sense on whether those lockdowns have impacted on the amount of tweens that are texting? Yeah, well, I think there is no doubt that children are more online than ever before. And while the, you know, the lockdowns kind of forced us to engage with our friends online, you're exactly right that we kind of went into it a little bit um, blindly without a lot of parameters, without a, a lot of thought given to how our children are going to be engaging and interacting with their friends online. And I'm wondering whether or not, I was, I was thinking about this for myself, um, and the texting thing actually kind of crept up on me because I think maybe my radar was on for things like social media. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I know she doesn't have a social media account. I know that she's not got access to the internet in that way. Uh, however, there were all these text messages flying about. And I, I'm just wondering if maybe there's some kind of dissonance for parents where we're thinking they're not online, so it's okay. When in fact, if they're on their iPad or on a phone, they can be texting. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is, it, it's a very unique way of communicating with friends. And I know for me too, I'm a parent, I've got a, a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old and I hadn't really considered sitting them down beforehand and really explaining to them that their friends on the other end of their iPads or, or phones cannot see their body language. Their friends cannot hear their tone of voice. And so because of that, we have to be super careful about the messages that we are sending our friends and just being really mindful of how we are responding to them and how how we're reaching out to them. So, yeah, I mean, the texting thing actually is quite complex and requires us as parents, I think, to give our children some instruction and some tips and strategies so that not only are their friends really understanding what they're saying, but their friends' parents who pick up the device and take a look at the message exchange can also understand where they're coming from. Exactly. Because, um, I mean, I'm a bit technologically challenged, let's say. I'm not too bad. But when all this texting stuff happened, I, my daughter didn't have a device and so she used my mobile. 
So I am accidentally a part of all of these conversations. And I try, when I say part of, I can see them coming up, but I try, I don't interfere unless I think something is a bit out of line. And then I go to the parents. So the kids don't know I can see their texts. However, what I have noticed from the texts in this particular age group, which is around 9, 10, 11, is that A, they seem very disjointed. I'm never completely sure what they're talking about. And like you mentioned, they're not tone aware. So when I read them sometimes, I think, oh my goodness, these texts, these communications, they're so rude. They're very rude and unkind. But I'm a little bit confused about that response because I wonder, am I just out of touch with how tweens talk to each other or is it just they're simply not old enough to understand the nuances of this kind of communication? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, actually. The first thing we we talk to older kids about, um, and definitely parents, is that our brains are actually wired to have what's called a negativity bias. And that's a protective instinct that we have that was designed to, you know, help us seek threat back in the cavemen days. But as a result of that, we have become people who sometimes assume the worst. And I've noticed, especially when it comes to online, when we don't have body language and tone, our gut instinct is to hear the message in a very negative way. I've noticed too that parents, that negativity bias is very strong when they're reading their child's messages. So one example, you know, a child texts another child and says, do you want to play with me? Do you want to play video games with me online? And the other kid responds with, no, I don't want to play. We hear it as adults. We hear it as, no, I don't want to play. You know, we hear yes. it. Wow, that's so rude. So <laughs> negative. Uh, you know, we can't believe how mean the other kid is being. So I think for us as parents, we need to be really um, try to calm or quiet that negativity bias down. And what I always recommend, not only just for pa- I mean, parents and teachers, that it's our job to really see the best in children. And, you know, this is a concept called unconditional positive regard in psychology, humanistic psychology. But this idea that we need to assume that children are really kind and caring and doing the best that they can and that they probably didn't mean it in that way. But yes, they need to learn how to communicate with their friends online so that their friend and their friend's parents don't hear it in a negative way. So one of the tips that we give children is to use emojis. These are really important um, and it's so funny. And thank goodness they keep releasing new emojis. So we've got (laughs) lots of options to work with. But really, you know, responding to our friend and saying, no, I can't play right now because I'm working on my homework with a smiley face. Yes. Really would be heard in a much more appropriate kind of way. So so helping kids a use emojis when they're messaging with their friends and and we do know kids are really sarcastic, right? And they're especially that child who's goofy and funny and silly makes a comment that might come across very rude, but they're actually just being goofy. That yes. should have a wink, right? So we want to talk if your child is that 
kid who's always being goofy, if they are messaging their friend something silly, it should have a wink or some sort of emoji to convey that they're just messing around. The other strategy that we teach children is, first of all, it's okay to say no to your friends sometimes. It's okay and, and important. And that's an important part of boundaries. And so we teach children to say no because. This idea of really explaining themselves. Because if they don't explain why, their friend is left to make up a story. And as I mentioned about negativity bias, we sometimes assume the worst. So we think, oh, my friend's saying no, they won't play with me, play video games with me online because, you know, they don't like me. When in reality, it's maybe no, because I'm working on my homework, but I'd love to, you know, play that video game with you later. What I find really interesting about that is on one hand, we're teaching our children to be clear communicators online so that their comments aren't misread. And I'm wondering, do you also address the flip side? So do we as parents need to talk to our children about how they interpret comments online, if they're perhaps negative comments or they're being um, excluded from a conversation or... Yeah, that's so true. It, it is important that we are the ones who are saying to our children, you know what, buddy, I'm not sure that he meant it in that way. Maybe he meant it in this way, you know, and, and we're the ones continually presenting the positive kind of side of that as well. When though a friend does send a message and we're kind of left wondering like, oh, what did they mean by that? Or we feel, you know, in our language in, at You Are Strong, we use this term friendship fire. So we feel a friendship fire ignite inside where we feel this burning like, oh, what did they mean? That, that kind of hurt my feelings. Then we would encourage them to get curious about it. Ask your friend for explanation. You might even just text back and say, what did you mean by that? Did you mean that in a happy way or in a negative way? You know, even just getting more information rather than making that kind of negative assumption. But when a child does experience a friendship fire online, and we, and we know that happens, and, and it's often around misunderstandings and these miscommunications, we absolutely recommend that they chat with their friend in person. Yes. So maybe the next day, you know, at school, they say, hey, um, yeah, remember yesterday when, when we were texting about dogs and you said that my dog was smelly? I felt pr uh, kind of hurt by that. What did you mean? You know, and so having a conversation with our friends to really put out that friendship fire, because there are certain things in a friendship that should be and must be face to face. Yes. And that's that's managing conflict. Which is tough, right? It's tough for us as adults, but I love that you're teaching this to kids. Yeah, it is. And and one of the things, you know, adults often say that it feels confronting, right, to, to address conflict in person, face to face. And because now we have access to the online world, we feel pretty brave behind our phones and our devices. But for children, we want to encourage them to absolutely confront and face these very normal friendship fires that ignite in their friendships always in person because it's it's just too easy for that friendship fire to get bigger when it's online. But texting and playing games online, these are great ways to connect with our friends. And during the lockdown, 
I was I felt so grateful that our children around the world were able to still be with one another online in this very special way. But yeah, I definitely agree that as parents and teachers, we need to give them some instructions so that they can foster and cultivate um, healthy connections. And Dana, is there ever a time in those texting miscommunications that a, a parent should step in or should we always be encouraging our child to do that face-to-face communication with the other kid instead of maybe us talking to their parent, for example? Yeah, well, I I never think that parents talking to other parents is a good idea. And for for many reasons, I've actually our most popular blog on our website is the one, you know, top top 10 reasons to not call the other kids parents. <laughs> but the the very first one and the most important one that we need to remember is that it often makes the situation worse. It makes things awkward between parents. And the message we want to be giving our kids anyways is you've got this, you can do this, and I'm here to support you and coach you from the sidelines. So we really encourage parents to think of themselves as a friendship coach, rather than going and trying to solve the problems for their children. We want to give them tips. These are these are what we call as educators, teachable moments. Use these as opportunities to really give your child a toolkit you know, to support them because this won't be the last time that they have issues with a friend online. So, so really it's, it's about handballing it back to your child, giving them tips and strategies. But Siobhan, the other really important thing that I wanted to make sure that your listeners hear about is the number one reason children don't go to parents when something happens online on their device a friend hurts their feelings or you know somebody posted a comment is they are worried that their parent is going to take the device away mm. or take take the platform away like you're off TikTok that's it i've had enough TikTok is terrible we're deleting it from your phone um so we are negatively consequencing a child who has actually done the right thing which is gone to a grown up for help And so I think that's really important. We want to be that safe place for our kids to open up and share what's going on with their friendships online and make sure that how we are supporting them is not A, making the friendship fire bigger, you know, by calling the other kids' parents, calling the teacher. Now the teacher tells the principal, the principal calls them down for a meeting or removing the device. And and when we do those things and provide kind of that negative consequence, that child is less likely to go back to that parent for help and support again. Which that is all brilliant advice, but I feel like I need to ask a um, preliminary question before even that occurs. And that is, is there any device that is better than another if you have the choice. So at the moment we have iPads and phones. I mean, do you have do you have any advice for parents on firstly the device and then secondly maybe the platforms because we we might be able to say to our kids, okay, so you guys have been texting on WhatsApp, but we'd prefer you use yeah. this. 
Absolutely. That's such a good question. And so, first of all, I don't know if the iPad or phone or um, I don't think that that really makes a difference. I think I think what what is important is is the platform. Mm -hmm. And so the one that I use as a parent and that I recommend is Kids Messenger as a starting point. Okay. So Kids Messenger is very controlled. Parents get notifications around, so everything is through the parent. You accept and can remove your child's friendship, you know, whoever is added. You get notification if your child blocks a ch another child. So, and, and the message you get is, you know, we've noticed that your child has blocked so-and-so. It would be really great if you had a chat with them and a conversation. Like, it's very... Um, there's really good advice. Each week, it gives you an update on who your child's talked to the most. And so it, you can really kind of monitor it. And for me, that feels like the best first step. The other thing that I, a rule that we kind of implement in our home is that we only have a friend on Messenger who we are friends with in person. So we built that trust and respect and that this is someone that you have a connection with. So um, it, it's about helping your child kind of create those boundaries because what definitely has happened for some children is there's no boundaries online. They have all the friends, you know, and, and even in our friendology curriculum with the older kids, we talk a lot about what does friend mean when we're talking about online because their definition of friend online is very different. Um, and they accept and allow everyone into their world online. And that is very unhealthy. And so no wonder conflicts arise and unhealthy behaviors and people, you know, maybe posting or, or sending them unhealthy messages or, or unkind messages. These are people they've allowed into their world that they shouldn't have. So start a kid's messenger is, is my recommendation as kind of a starting point and sitting down with your child around the rules before and saying and, and helping them explain so one of the things that for younger children um, it's important that parents talk to their kids about when you reach out to a friend and they don't answer do we keep calling them back a million times? Is that, is that a good idea or a bad idea, right? And because they actually don't know that answer. Yes. They're like, oh. Um, and so kids nowadays call that spamming. Their friend spams them. And I'm sure all parents listening right now have had that experience where their child's device is ding, ding, ding. Like yes. it's about to blow up because someone keeps calling them. Um, so just even little rules like that, helping your child kind of understand how to navigate the world and and saying to them too, like, we're in this together. I'm here to support you. There's going to be times when I'm not sure what the right thing to do is and and we'll figure it out together. Dana, I'm also really curious about um, when they can use their device because I think uh, many parents today, we we just sort of blindly walked into it ourselves. So we often don't have any restrictions on when we're texting. I know that I could be texting any minute of the day trying to organize a thousand different things. But I, I feel like that's part of the challenge for parents is because devices are so ubiquitous and an iPad could be sitting on their desk in their bedroom or they could be out the back. My, my daughter likes to watch her iPad on the swing out the back. But should we be monitoring when they're using the device for something like texting? 
um, because that seems to be quite the challenge. Yeah, I think it honestly, it is it is so complicated. And I know every family is different and every circumstance is a little bit different. I think it's about just really paying attention to what feels right for your family and 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 knowing that there's going to be times when the balance is off or and it's not feeling right. It's actually very funny that we're having this conversation because my husband and I just were chatting this morning. Our son is 12 and he got a phone for his birthday so that we waited till he was 12 and in high school. But the pendulum has swung too far. We now we're feeling like he's on it constantly. He's distracted by it. So we know that we need to reset and we need to put in some rules in place because he's not regulating himself. So yeah, I think it's just, I think that we all um, as parents are going to be going through this, like, it's almost like accepting that this is, this is part of the online world that there's times when you know the pendulum might swing too far and we need to reset as a family okay everybody you know we need to put some rules on this 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 isn't working right now and and two i mean another really important conversation to have is uh, is around bedtimes so we know that some children go to bed at seven o'clock you know that's when they go to bed early and that's what their family does we know other children maybe don't have bedtimes and they're staying up really late so we need kids to respect and understand that they cannot and should not be buzzing their friends in the evenings past a certain time. I, and I say that because I, I had a little girl come up to me after one of our workshops and she was really teary and she said, Dana, what do, what do I do when my friend won't let me go to sleep? Oh no. And I said, Yeah, and I said, What do you what do you mean? Your friend won't let you go to sleep. Does she live with you? Are you <laughs> and she said she said, No, on my phone. She's buzzing me all through the night and she won't let me go to sleep. And I said, What do you mean she won't let you go to sleep? And she said, She gets mad at me if I say I have to go to sleep because she she can't sleep and she wants me to stay up with her and text with her. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, wow, poor thing. And so we talked about how, she, you know, that's a friendship fire and she needs to talk with her friend about how she's feeling and tell her friend that she can only text until whatever, eight o'clock at night or whatever it is. But, but we know as even adults, like I struggle with this too, Siobhan, is I find myself grabbing my phone all the time. Yes. So even as an adult that did not grow up with technology, I feel sometimes, you know, addicted to my phone. And so I can just imagine for kids, it's even harder. They, this is native to them. They've, they've grown up with these devices. So it's just part, it's like part of, you know, it's like a third arm, <laughs> you know, yes. they've got their phones. It's part of their bodies now, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I think it's, it's really a, we're in it together and we need to figure this out together and just knowing what, what feels right and trying different things and getting out of bad habits when we're in them. Yeah. And we can't just sit and forget. We're always going to have to check in with how it's all going, aren't we? Yeah. Well, and some families do, you know, device free time or device free weekends where they, you know, or the whole digital detox thing where as a family, like, I think that's really powerful if you can, as a family do that and, 
And one of the things we do as a family is we go to our family cottage in Canada every July for a full month and it's off grid. Like we don't have Wi-Fi or anything. And that's so every year for a month, we have a full digital detox and it's amazing what kids will do you know, the first few days. I'm, it's amazing. I'm so bored. What am I going to do? You know, and then by like day three, they're building forts in the, in the forest and creating pet rocks and doing all those things that were so desperate for our kids to be doing in their childhood. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, Dana, that has been so insightful. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Oh, you're welcome. And we have more resources online as well. Lots of lots of articles and activities to support children and, and to support parents. Because I know this friendship journey is challenging. And it's hard sometimes when our kids are in unhealthy friendships, and they're dealing with those online on top of it. So um, yeah, at youarestrong.com, they can get access to lots of other stuff to help. Brilliant. I'll put links for that in the notes of this episode. That's Dana Kerford. She is the founder of You Are Strong. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.